hey, happy Father's Day and welcome to Purpose Church. Want to give a special shout out to all of our dads out there, all of our men out there. We are so, so grateful that you're here. I mean, you could have been anywhere, right? Today's your day. You could have been on the golf course. You could have been going out to breakfast. You could have told your family that you wanted anything else for Father's Day and yet you chose to log in today to experience God and to grow in your relationship with him. And my hope is that you are encouraged on this Father's Day. And before we jump into our message, I just want to acknowledge that for Father's Day, uh, Father's Day is, is painful for some people, that maybe you didn't have a great father. Maybe there's a distant relationship between you and your dad, or, or maybe you wanted to be a father and, and that hasn't panned out for you. Or maybe you have a great relationship with your dad and it's something that you're so thankful for today. Well, wherever you find yourself on that emotional spectrum when it comes to Father's Day, I want you to know that you are loved, that you are seen by God, and that we are so glad that you are a part of our church. Well, what I want to do for a few minutes is I just want to talk about the one thing that every great man does. What is, if you were to boil it down, what is the one thing that every great man does? And I want to start by telling you a story. There was a man named Steve who, Steve had a passion to open a fine dining restaurant. Uh, Steve grew up in Colorado and he went to San Francisco Culinary School. And every day when he would get out of class, he would walk outside of his campus and there was a burrito man sitting there right outside of it. And there was a long line of people waiting to get one of these burritos. And when Steve would walk up, the, the man holding the tortilla would put the meat in and the toppings and the rice and beans and all all the good stuff, he'd wrap it up, hand it to Steve, and this blew his mind. And here's why. Because Steve grew up in Colorado. And at that time, the, the only kind of burritos Steve had had growing up in Colorado were wet burritos with a sauce on top that required you to eat it with a fork and a knife. But here's Steve walking around San Francisco with a burrito in his hands that he can eat on the go. Well, he's so inspired by this experience that Steve decides to move back to Colorado to open a burrito shop with the purpose of opening, using the cash from that burrito shop to open a fine dining restaurant. Well, in the year 1993, Steve opens his first burrito shop and it goes by the name Chipotle. And all of these years later, Chipotle is now an $827 million company with over 37,000 employees and Chipotles are all over the country. In a recent interview with Steve, somebody asked him, what is it that makes you exceptional? What is the key to your success? And here's what Steve, the founder of Chipotle said. I got good at finding really good people. I think that's probably what I'm best at. Steve said, you know, honestly, the key to my success has been surrounding myself with great people. Now, the reason I tell you this story is because it illustrates some wisdom from the book of Proverbs written thousands of years before Steve ever came into existence or before you and I ever showed up on this planet. And in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says this, walk with the wise and you and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. In the New Living Translation, it says, walk with the wise and become wise. 
associate with fools and get in trouble. And then I love the way the message translates it. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. What is the one thing that every great man does? They walk with wise people. Dads, if I could just summarize my message and and men and honestly, every single person tuning in, if you want to be a great husband, do life, walk alongside other great husbands. If you want to be a great father, walk alongside other great fathers. You see, this ancient biblical principle is God's way of telling us, put yourself in relationships, in intentional relationships with people that are wiser than you, that are farther ahead than you, and it will have a transferring effect onto your life. But in order to do this, men, it's going to require that we open up. It's going to require that we share. You know, a few weeks ago, I was driving to have breakfast with one of the lieutenants of the Pomona Police Department. And as I was driving to get breakfast, I was just feeling drained. I was feeling empty. I I, I was feeling spiritually drained. I was tired. And as I was driving, it just so happened that my car let me know that it was running out of gas, right? The, The empty gas tank light came on on the dashboard of my car. And then I looked around at the other cars around me and, you know, we're waving or people are jamming out to their music. And all of a sudden I had this thought. Here I am driving this car on empty and none of these other cars know it. And then I felt like... I had this holy, sacred moment in my beat-up, junky Toyota Corolla where God spoke to me and said, that is exactly where you're at right now spiritually. You are empty and nobody else knows about it. You haven't shared it with your wife. You haven't shared it with your life group. You haven't shared it with your other pastor friends that can encourage you. You are on empty and you haven't shared it with anybody else. And in that moment, I felt encouraged, but I also felt challenged by God to share. And so I talked with my wife, Sarah. I I texted my life group, the guys in my life group, and they were such an encouragement to me. And Sarah prayed over me. And then I, I reached out to some pastor friends and said, I'm on empty right now. Can you pray for me and encourage me? And God showed up powerfully but it's because I made a decision to walk with the wise, to not go at it alone. You see, who you walk with today will shape who you become tomorrow. There's so much truth in that. And I wanna encourage you dads and you husbands and you men and all of Purpose Church to ask this question, who are you doing life with? Because who you walk with today will shape who you become tomorrow. Did you know that it's estimated that in the three years of Jesus's public ministry that he walked about 3,125 miles? You see, we have so many stories in the gospels recording the life of Jesus, but much of his time was spent walking. And I can't help but think That the reason the disciples went on to literally turn the world upside down with the good news of Jesus is because they spent over 3,000 miles walking with Jesus, learning from Jesus, doing life with Jesus, and that changed them. I was having dinner with a friend of mine named Trevor a few weeks ago, and as him and I were having dinner, I was just asking him, hey man, 
in college, you were kind of a party boy. In college, you didn't want to do a lot with Jesus. You weren't very much interested in a relationship with Jesus. And yet now you are an amazing husband, an amazing father. You're hungry for God's word. You're reading the scriptures. You're in a life group. You're, you're even pl- helping to plant a church. What happened? How, what took you from being a party boy to being a passionate follower of Jesus? And you know what he told me? He said, it's interesting, Eric. I joined a life group. I joined got around other men who really loved Jesus. And as I walked with them, as we went on retreats together, as we opened up our lives and our hearts, I began to understand what it means to really follow Jesus. And that changed my life. You see, wise people, wise people, they do life and they surround themselves with wiser people. And men, I want to encourage you. Great men are not born, they're made. Great men are, great men are made, they're not born. Maybe some of you feel like, man, I grew up in a really difficult situation. I, don't have, I, don't, I didn't have a role model growing up. Man, I had a rough start. In fact, I'm restarting my life right now. I, I couldn't possibly be great. Here's the thing. Great men, they're not born, they're made. This means that if what you choose to do today, who you choose to walk with today will shape and dictate your future. This isn't to say that your tough past isn't something that you have to deal with. It isn't a difficulty for you to overcome, but it's to acknowledge that the one thing that great men do is they don't let their past hold them back from God's future for their lives. And God's future and his desire for your life is that you would surround yourself with wiser men, with other great men who can encourage you and support you and help you. In fact, dads, if you're looking for, dads or grandparents, if you're looking for an awesome book to encourage you, I want to recommend The Dad Difference. The Dad Difference is written by Dr. Brian Loritz. It's an incredible book that's going to help you take that next step of going deeper as a dad and a spiritual leader in your family. Now, What I want to do for the rest of our time is I want to look at one of the most overlooked and unrecognized people in the whole Bible. In fact, this guy is mentioned in Exodus 2, Exodus 3, a lot of Exodus 18, and then we never see him again. And yet this guy had a profound impact that we are continuing to feel the benefits of even today. I'm talking about Jethro. Jethro was Moses' father-in-law. And what we're going to discover together is how we can become great men as we notice and as we observe the life of Moses and the relationship he had with his father-in-law, Jethro. Now to give us a little context before we jump in to Exodus 18, Moses had already accomplished a lot by the power of God before meeting up in this providential gathering with Jethro in Exodus 18. You see, Moses had already experienced God in the burning bush. He had already went toe to toe with Pharaoh. He had already seen the 10 plagues as God was freeing his people from slavery. Moses was a part of the the parting of the Red Sea. He, he, He witnessed God providing for the Israelites in the desert with manna. And he even witnessed the battle with the Amalekites. 
that protected the Israelites. You see, Moses had already seen a lot. And yet where we find ourselves in this story in Exodus 18, Moses is not in a great place. But let's together discover how you and I can become great men. Number one is this. If you want to be a great man, you need to walk with men who live intentionally. Walk with men who live intentionally. The story begins like this. Exodus chapter 18. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One son was named Gershom, for Moses said, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer, for he said, my father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. You see, Jethro is well aware that Moses is tired. He is worn out. He is stressed. He is beyond his capacity leading the people of Israel. And Jethro recognizes he's about to snap. And so Jethro gently takes his family, gives them a little bit of a break, and then intentionally says, we're coming back and I want to see you. You see, Jethro models for us what it looks like to live intentionally. Men and dads and, and grandparents and anybody else. It is so important that we live with character, that we live with integrity, that we live with intentionality. I love what General H. Norman, I'm going to try to pronounce this, Schwarzkopf said. Leadership is a combination of strategy and character. If you must be without one, be without strategy. Or listen to what Warren Buffett said. I look for three things when hiring people. The first is personal integrity. The second is intelligence. And the third is a high energy level. But if you don't have the first personal integrity, if you don't have the first, the other two will kill you. You see, this is why Dr. Brian Lerit says the gift that every dad can give to his kids is great fathers give their kids the gift of integrity. More than listening to what we say, our children will watch what we do. When actions and words become one, we call that integrity. You see, Jethro, he was a man who lived with this kind of intentionality, and Moses was aware of it. Moses was drawn to his father-in-law because of his lifestyle, because of his intentionality. And husbands out there, Husbands with children, I want to give you an encouragement. And it's going to sound kind of backwards to the message we're hearing in our culture, but I want to give you an encouragement and it's this. Husbands, the best gift that you can give your kids is a great relationship with their mom. Now, I get it. All of culture is screaming at you. The best thing you can do for, their, for your kids is plug them into everything to focus all your attention. Mom and dad, focus all of your attention on your kids. Make them your number one priority. That's what our culture says. 
And yet I want to encourage you that when you choose to follow that cultural trend, in the temporary, it's going to create some distance and some tension between you and your wife. And in the long term, it is going to have devastating effects on your relationship. That husbands with kids, it is so important that you prioritize your relationship with your wife, that you be intentional about that. And in fact, so much so that I've told some of you this before, but a few years ago, my wife Sarah and I were going on a date and our kids started to cry and whine about it. They, they didn't want us to leave. And I get the sentiment of that, but, but I was just over it. And so I said, hey guys, you know what? No more crying, no more whining, no more pulling on our shirts when we're going out on a date. Here's what we're gonna do from now on. Whenever mom and I tell you that we're going on a date, I want a standing ovation, okay? I want you to stand up and clap for us because here's why. I remember looking at Charlie and saying, Charlie, the best gift I can give you is a great relationship with your mom. Because when Sarah and I are close, when Jesus and I are close, I'm a way better dad. I'm a more intentional dad. So if we wanna become great men, we need to walk with other men who live intentionally. Number two, we need to walk with men who listen first. Check out what happens in the story, verses seven to nine. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted. Jethro was not annoyed. Jethro was not checking his phone. Jethro was not tuning out, looking at sports scores. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. You see, Jethro made space for Moses to share without interrupting Moses. He didn't say, Moses, get to the highlight reel. Moses, I only got 15 minutes. You see, Jethro exemplifies for us what it means to be a great man who listens first. Who in your life are you surrounding yourself with that is a great listener? And I want to remind us of what listening is. Listening is not waiting to speak. Listening is not buying time until they finish their thoughts so you can say what you want to say. Listening is waiting to understand. You see, dads, I want to encourage us in this because sometimes we can just get to fixing it, right? Sometimes I'll even say to Sarah, as my wife and I are in a conversation, I'll say, Sarah, is this a fix-it conversation or is this a listening conversation? Because I don't want to confuse the two. We could be so quick to try to fix something when truly listening is putting ourselves in a posture, waiting because we want to understand. We want to understand the hardships, the joys, the concerns, the struggles, because that's what it means to listen first and to listen well. And when we do that, we will be on the journey of becoming a great man. And have you know, ever noticed that Jesus didn't interrupt people? I mean, 
There's that moment where Jesus starts to glow and he's like transfigured in front of the, a few of the disciples and, and Moses and Elijah show up from heaven. It's this crazy experience. And, and Peter says this ridiculous idea. He goes, this is awesome, essentially. He says, this is awesome. I'll build a shelter, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you, Jesus. And even though that idea was absolutely ridiculous, Jesus doesn't interrupt him. Or, or what about when Mary came to him and said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother Lazarus would not have died. And even though Jesus knew he was going to bring him back to life, he doesn't interrupt her or cut her off. He listens first. You see, Jethro, he didn't throw money at the problem. He didn't race to come up with a solution. He prioritized the relationship. Men, Find other men that are a little bit wiser than you, a little bit farther along in the journey who are willing to prioritize a relationship with you because as you're in proximity to them, as Proverbs 13, 20 tells us, you will become wise when you surround yourself with wise people. I've been in charge of our high school. I've been leading our high school ministry for the last eight years here at Purpose Church. And every year we have a student leadership team that leads our high school ministry. It's an incredible group of students. This year we had more student leaders than ever before. We had 24 high school student leaders. And every year when we gather on our retreat at the beginning of the year, we let the students for 10 minutes share their story without being interrupted, without anyone looking away or being distracted. We let them share their stories. And at the end of the retreat, this community is so tight and so close. Why? Because they listened to each other. Because they made space for each other. Or I think about one of my mentors, Derek. Whenever Derek and I meet up for lunch, he just lets me share. He just lets me unload all the things I'm thinking and feeling and processing. And he just listens. Even though he's so much wiser than me and has, has really great quotes and solutions to everything, he just listens and gives me that gift of relationship. It's what Brian Loritz says in his book. The first gift a dad must give his children is the gift of relationships. We cannot lead effectively those we are not connected to intimately. Healthy relationships demand presence, grace, and time. I remember there was a, a dad here at Purpose Church a dad of kind of teenage students. And he's a middle school teacher. His name was Carlos. And he actually, they, they moved away a number of years ago. But I remember in kind of a, a passing conversation with him, he just dropped this nugget of parental wisdom that I have never forgot. If you had one of those moments where you're just talking with someone, all of a sudden they say something that is like a paradigm shifting comment. Well, that was this from Carlos for me, and he said this. He was talking about when you're a dad of young kids, he says this. He said, it's our job to talk and listen now when our kids are young so that they will talk and listen when they are older. Oh, if you're a dad or, or, a, or a grandpa of, of a little one, keep this in mind. It is our job to talk and listen now. And I know that can be challenging. I know that sometimes our kids get into that season where they are just telling us things that we literally are not interested in. We don't have any understanding of. And it's in so much detail. I get that. But it's our job right now to talk and listen so that later on they will talk and listen. Or maybe you're a dad or a grandparent or, or a parent of, of a teenager or a young adult. Sometimes they push you away and it can feel like, okay, well, I don't have any place here. 
I have found as I've worked with students and young adults that oftentimes when they're pushing you away, it's when they need you the most. And so I want to encourage you to press into those relationships. Well, number three, if we want to become great men, we need to walk with men who boldly worship God. Check out what happens next in the story. Verse 10, he said, praise be to the Lord. This is Jethro speaking. Praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. You see, Jethro, he, he doesn't decide to immediately praise Moses. He praises God. You see, his faith and his passion for God is on full display. It's an inspiration to Moses. Dads and grandparents, granddads and, and moms and, and, and father figures. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a mentor. You need to know that your faith in Jesus is inspiring the next generation. One of my favorite memories with my dad was early on when I was in like elementary and middle school, we would sit down and read the Bible together. Out loud, we would read the Gospels and we would talk about it. And I still think of those memories so fondly of dad and I reading God's word together. Or I think about Peter Hidalgo, one of my mentors and friends and heroes. He, he, him and I were having lunch the other day and he just said, Eric, I am in a season right now where I can't get enough of God. He said, I love waking up in the morning and just spending time with Jesus. In fact, when I wake up, it's the first thing on my mind. I can't wait to spend time with Jesus. You see, it, we're so different in that way, man. When I wake up, I'm thinking French toast. I'm thinking pancakes. I'm thinking bacon. I'm not thinking the same way he's thinking. And yet as I surround myself with him, as I do life with him, his love for Jesus can't help but spill over into my life. Friends, if, if you and I want to become great men, the fourth thing we need to do is we need to walk with men who will ask the tough questions. Check out what happens next in the story with Moses and Jethro. Verse 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning until evening? Jethro isn't afraid of irritating Moses by asking the tough questions. You see, Jethro loves Moses so much that he's willing to ask those hard questions. Do you have men in your life, wiser men that you look up to that are influencing you who are willing to say, hey, are you prioritizing your marriage? Hey, how, how's your language with your kids? Are, are you talking down to them? Are you yelling at them? Hey, is work becoming too much of an obsession for you? Hey, do you think that relationship is positive for your life? You see, great mentors, wise men have, have, and wise women have this ability 
to ask questions so that the person hearing it might discover the answer on their own. Men, let's you and I surround ourselves in a life group, in a community, in a mentorship relationship with those that are just a little bit farther ahead than us, who are willing to ask us the tough questions that we don't want to hear, but we absolutely need to hear. Number five, if we want to be great men, we've got to walk with men who will tell you the truth. Walk with men who will tell you the truth. Verses 15 to 19. Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses's father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. And then he goes on to outline what it would look like for Moses to delegate some of his duties and some of his responsibilities to other people who can carry the weight with him. You see, Jethro is willing to say, let me help. But in order to help, I need to call out something that's not good. And Moses' intentions were good, but his impact wasn't. And you see, Jethro recognized that Moses was on the verge of a breakdown. That Moses was moments, months, maybe a few years away from everything crumbling. And Jethro believed that God had more for Moses. It reminds me of something that Sarah and I, my wife and I's marriage therapist said to us once. He said, most people come to counseling three years too late. In other words, they show up to marriage counseling to kind of check off a box or to say, oh, we tried it, but their heart's not really in it. Or there's been so much baggage that could have been dealt with earlier, but they just showed up three years too late. And it got me thinking about this, and, and I hope this is encouraging, and yet I think some of us need to hear this. Some of you are three years away from an affair. Some of you are three years away from a work scandal. Some of you are three years away from severing a relationship with your kids. Some, years are th some of you are three years away from your workaholism getting in the way, your alcoholism, your addiction, your porn addiction, whatever it may be, getting in the way and ruining what God has in store for you. And so let's choose to be men who don't even get close to that three-year mark. Start going to marriage therapy, not because your marriage is in turmoil, but because you don't want to get there. Set up boundaries at work, not because there's any problems right now, but because you don't want there to be. Prioritize dates with your kids, with your wife, with, with, with your family. Be present. Why? Because you don't want the fallout that is only three years away. You see, you and I need to have honest people around us, not just Yes, people. In fact, don't surround yourself with yes, people. Surround yourself with honest people. Yes, people just tell you what you want to hear. Honest people love you enough. They care about you enough to tell you what you actually need to hear. 
You see, it's important for us as dads that we're giving good advice and encouragement and we're, we're investing and teaching our kids the Bible and how much God loves them. Brian Loritz in his book, he says it this way, great dads gift their children with a kind of upright teaching that prepares them to meet the challenges of life and walk in their God-ordained purpose. Doing this well necessitates vision and intentionality. And then lastly, number six, if you and I are going to be great men, then when you walk with a wise man, take his advice. After hearing all that Jethro had to say, this is how Moses responds in Proverbs 18, 24. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. You see, oftentimes application is the hardest and most important part. Maybe you need to send that email and forgive that person. Maybe you need to schedule a date with your wife and say, I have dropped the ball as a husband and that changes today. Maybe you need to reach out to your kids where there has been distance and there has not been closeness and you need to say, you know what? I messed this thing up and I'm gonna correct it. That by God's power, I wanna have a stronger, better relationship with you. You see, Proverbs 12, 15 says it bluntly. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. You see, Moses' ways seemed right to him, but he was foolish in that moment. And it was the wisdom and the advice of his father-in-law that changed the game for him. So much so that after Jethro, which again, we never read about Jethro again in the whole Bible. And yet after Jethro, God uses Moses to, to bring the Ten Commandments to the Israelites. The ark is built. The tabernacle is built. The sacrificial system is established. Refugee cities are made. And the baton is passed to Joshua who leads the Israelites after Moses. God was not done with Moses when Jethro came along. In fact, I believe God sent Jethro because he knew that Moses needed to walk with the wise. And in doing so, he would become wise. See, as you're thinking about your role as a dad or a grandfather or a father figure, an influencer of younger people, and I know sometimes as as people, and maybe as dads and grandfathers, we can become so obsessed with the work that we do. I want to encourage you with what Andy Stanley says. Your greatest contribution might not be what you do, but who you raise. Let's invest relationally. Like Brian Loritz talks about in his book, great fathers place a premium on giving their children the right, right? The relationships, integrity, teaching, and experiences, kind of experiences over gifts. Things wear out and expire, but experiences endure because they mark us forever. And so men, let me ask you a question. Who are you walking with right now? Who, who are you doing life alongside? Who is helping you become wise? But also the second part of that question is, who's walking with you? Who are you opening your life to and influencing? 
Well, many of you submitted uh, nominations for great dads here at Purpose Church. And it was so encouraging to read. I think we had almost 75 submissions, but specifically for our online community, I just wanted to shout out to some of the amazing dads of Purpose Church. Gil Fletcher wrote this about Chris Chacon. Chris has so much integrity as a husband and father. He loves his boys and treats their mom with so much love and respect. Lori Perez said this about Ernie. Ernie loves Jesus. He is quick to apologize and he is a strong spiritual leader for his entire family. Or Brittany Chacon said this about her husband, Brian. Brian works so hard for our family and always makes time to play with our kids. Our daughter, Emma, loves to put makeup on him. Man, dad of the year right there. Loves to put makeup on him. And our son, Noah, loves to build forts and play sports with him. And then Omar Corona wrote this about Clarence Haynes. Clarence is a manager at the sober living home that I'm at. And he's always encouraging us to attend church and reconnect with God. And that's how I found Purpose Church and became a new member. There are so many incredible dads and grandfathers at Purpose Church. And we could only name a few here, but I want to let you know, dads of Purpose Church, we love you. We are praying for you and we think you're incredible. So much so that we wanted to show you this video to encourage you. Let's enjoy. Well, first off, what makes my dad a great father is probably that even though we share the same birthday, every year he, he lets me uh, choose the restaurant. I don't know why. My dad is an awesome dad because he loves Jesus. I just feel like he's not afraid to be silly. He's not afraid to sing or pretend to do mariachi. Like, he's just so funny sometimes. and. He makes me laugh. Eric is a great father figure because, hold on, this is gonna be, what if I cry? We're really blessed and thankful because he loves our kids, plus our bonus kid. Uh, this is our nephew, but his dad is not here right now. He's in Turkey and he's been taking care of him since he was um, six months. When my husband and I met, um, our oldest son was three years old, and after we got married, our son was five, and he said, babe, um, I really want our son to have our last name. Um, no one that we knew at that time um, um, had done um, a, a step-parent adoption, and so he you know, had said, you know, I, I, I would love to, I, I want to adopt him and, um, and, and give him my last name. I think that his relationship with like God really like made me realize how important and crucial my relationship with him is. I call him honey unless I'm upset and the boys call him dad and to six grandchildren, he is grampy. Sometimes grumpy, but usually grampy. <laughs> um, we actually really like to go up to Hume, go up to the mountains and just spend weekends up there together. It's really fun. I see my father's relationship with Jesus affect his way of parenting. And just that, you know, kind of teaching me and my sisters that um, being a believer and follower of Christ isn't a religion, it's, it's more of a relationship. My grandpa, he's very good at describing the Bible in a way that I can understand and, and all people can understand. He can really articulate that. He'll take us driving and teach us to drive, like even though it's like scary for him. He comes and plays soccer with us when he was excited to do that and he'd kick the ball around to me. 
even yeah with soccer instead of just coaching me and Aubrey often he'll come and play with us as well before I even started dating Luis, I actually didn't know he was a single dad. He was just walking around with all the energy in the world, so positive, so encouraging and loving, and he was just holding it all together, and I'm super grateful for him. He would just ask us if we want to go camping grand with me, and we'll go. <laughs> and that's um, my favorite thing about my dad. Well, I usually do this, but funny jokes. I have funny jokes. Not really. To both my dad and my grandpa, you guys are, are big inspirations, and uh, I see what you guys do, and when I grow up, I want to mirror that. I love you, Dad. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. We love you so much, and thank you for everything you do for us. Dad, I love you so much. I am so thankful for you. Um, thank you for always being there for me. Thank you for always praying for me, and thank you for always believing in me and loving me. I I just couldn't be more thankful than what I am today. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Um, I hope you have a wonderful day and you could definitely pick the restaurant today. Gary, if there's one thing that I want you to know this Father's Day is that I love and adore you and so does our whole family. I want to say thank you for your unwavering commitment to each one of us. As a ministry leader at Celebrate Recovery, I have watched you pour into countless men's lives and I love that because you are helping other men to be the man and the dad that God created them to be. Eric, I just want to say Happy Father's Day. I love you and I appreciate all the sacrifices that you've made for us as a family and as a dad. I want you to know this Father's Day that uh, we are proud of you and I love you as a father, I love you as a man, and, and I love you. I, I love, love you! you. You're, You're awesome! awesome. <laughs>